Good evening, it is 5pm and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Lauren Tucker, Mary McKetty, and Jesse Bell. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. City Issues Housing and Social Services Report for 2022 The City of Kingston's Housing and Social Services team invites community members to learn more about the remarkable work achieved last year by reading the 2022 Housing and Social Services Annual Report on the City of Kingston website. This report emphasizes and honors the profound influence our dedicated staff, community partners, and service providers put forward every day to ensure that people have access to the support and services they need, says Ruth Nordegraff, Director of Housing and Social Services. With the help of our incredible community partners, the city has greatly expanded affordable housing options, streamlined services, and improved our processes. I am very proud of the work that's happened over the past year and invite you to read this report that highlights the results of our efforts. The report is now available for review online and offers updates on child care and early years services, social assistance, social housing, homelessness services, affordable housing programs, and community connections. The Housing and Social Services Department school is to work collaboratively to provide essential and meaningful services that help individuals and families secure their financial, housing, and childcare needs. Supporting housing affordability and fostering a caring and inclusive community are two of Council's strategic priorities for 2023 to 2026. Girls from across the region will be treated to an exciting full day of skill building and empowering activities. Girls Inc. Limestone will host Girls Summit 2023 on Friday, June 30th at St. Lawrence College Event and Banquet Center in Kingston. Coming from Kingston, Belleville, and the surrounding communities, girls will enjoy hands-on workshops and activities aimed at encouraging interest in STEM fields, building leadership skills, and boosting overall confidence. With a 60% increase in registration over the last pre-COVID summit in 2019, this year will welcome 125 girls. Registration filled in just one week, says Girls Inc. CEO Lindsay Belch. We're so excited to bring together so many girls from our community to learn valuable new skills from mentors and from each other. With thanks to individual donations and our community sponsors, including Anna Edward C. Churchill Foundation, Keystone Property Management Inc., and Novellas, there is no cost for girls to attend. Workshop leaders from Canadian Black Belt Centers, Maltby Center, and Sherlock's Escapes will provide exciting and empowering workshops in the areas of healthy physical activity, interpersonal relationships, and creative problem solving. Girls Inc. Limestone provides life-changing programs and experiences to help girls navigate gender, economic, and social barriers. Research-based curricula delivered by trained professionals equip girls to discover and develop their inherent strengths and receive ongoing programming to grow up healthy, educated, and independent. Plan your garden to conserve water, reduce carbon emissions, and attract pollinators. Plan a visit to the Utilities Kingston award-winning water conservation garden at 1211 John Counter Boulevard to see a variety of plants that require less water. Take a self-guided tour and learn how to save water, time, and money by building a water-wise garden that makes every raindrop count. Water-wise gardening can prevent runoff pollution and flooding, even reducing carbon emissions. Many Kingston gardeners know that adding compost to gardens and grass cycling, leaving grass cuts on the lawn, improves water retention and reduces demand for treated water. But choosing plants wisely can also help make your garden more self-sufficient and sustainable. You'll also attract pollinators such as bees, butterflies, and birds. Visiting the garden is a free and easy way for gardeners to see a variety of plants and landscaping techniques they can use in their own gardens. Create a beautiful, low-maintenance outdoor space that relies more on what nature provides and less on treated water, says Caro Casista, Conservation Coordinator for Utilities Kingston. Dense and healthy vegetation helps reduce carbon emissions. 
By creating small carbon sinks in your backyard, you can absorb and store greenhouse gases, which would otherwise be present within our atmosphere. Plants also create a cooling effect through shade and evapotranspiration, by which plants uptake water from the soil to use for growth and photosynthesis. Don't know your butterfly weed from your button bush? Utilities Kingston can help. While scheduled guided tours are not taking place in 2023, community members are invited to visit anytime during daylight hours and wander the over 30 garden areas at their own pace. Informative signs will introduce you to the variety of plants you will find there. Utilities Kingston also offers a wonderful online resource for gardeners, picturing and listing over 100 plants that can be used in any water-wise garden. You can find it at utilitieskingston.com slash conservation garden, where you will also find information to help you attract pollinators to your water-wise garden. Providing habitat for pollinators is the first step in helping the declining species that are an important aspect of our gardens and local ecosystems. Once again, you can visit the Water Conservation Garden at 1211 John Counter Boulevard. That's all for your headlines this week, and next up is Lauren with your Arts Desk. Thanks, Christina. Here's your arts and culture news for today. The Skeleton Park Arts Festival wrapped up yesterday, Sunday the 25th, after five days of free arts programming, activities, live music, and more in the Skeleton Park neighborhood. CFRC was on the scene this weekend chatting with festival goers and giving out some free swag, so thank you so much if you happen to stop by. Although SPAF may be over for this year, you can continue to keep an eye on the free Skeleton Press newspaper released quarterly by the organization, and visit skeletonparkartsfest.ca to check their year-round programming and subscribe to their newsletter. The City of Kingston announced this past Monday the four selections for the 2023 Artist in Residency program in conjunction with the Kingston Grand Theatre, juried from an open call for local artists. From July 4th to 7th, local musician Megan Hamilton will be in residence at the Regina Rosen Auditorium, and dance performers Benedictus Matson and Devanchi Mishra and the Movement Market Collective will be in residence at the Baby Grand. From July 25th to 28th, performers David Parker and Jane Kirby will be in residence at the Regina Rosen Auditorium, and local band Nice On will be in residence at the Baby Grand. Artists in residence will receive use of a professional workspace at the Kingston Grand Theatre featuring state-of-the-art equipment, professional support in technical production, and an honorarium of $1,000. For more about this program, you can visit cityofkingston.ca. The 2023 National Youth Orchestra Chamber Fest continues this week at the Isabel Bader Center with evening and matinee performances from NYO students and faculty all throughout the week running until the 30th of June. The orchestra is currently preparing for a national tour and as such, their concerts are offered free of charge as a token of gratitude to the supportive Kingston community that has hosted their training institute. For a full list of the upcoming Isabel performances, you can find the listing at queensu.ca slash theisabel. And for more on the National Youth Orchestra, visit nyoc.org. Artfest Kingston is fast approaching, running this weekend from July 1st to 3rd, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily in City Park. Over 150 artists will be exhibiting their work at this free all-ages festival, ranging from paintings, pottery, woodcraft, glass art, metal arts, jewelry, clothing, gourmet food, body care, candles, and even more. Plus, there's always something for everyone to do with creative activities and workshops for kids, adults, and seniors alike, as well as live music, dance, and theater all weekend long. CFRC sat down with co-director Lori McDonald to bring you an inside look at this year's Art Fest. Take a listen. 
So we have the uh, this year we have the uh, we have a spearhead beer garden going on, which is um, a great highlight for festival goers to take part in. So then we have live music, of course, the full uh, music stage, and we've got the the uh, face painting for kids. We've got the mural, the participant mural going on for um, all family all family members. Got live theater, and then we have the Kingston School of Dance is there, and they're doing performances actually. They did an original choreographed piece. They're going to perform it in the actual splash pad. You know, one of our biggest highlights this year is the uh, the Indigenous Arts Pavilion. Live performances, poetry, storytelling, dancing and drumming going on there all weekend. And then we have uh, the Poets at Art Fest. We have 40, 45 poets reading uh, over the weekend, three days from all over Ontario and Quebec. And then the final thing that I want to mention is that we've got the Silver Social Activity Hub, which is um, a tent for seniors. We've got some uh, art, art there and some interactive activities, social stuff. Again, ArtFest will be running this weekend in City Park, July 1st to 3rd. You can visit ArtFestOntario.com for more information about the Kingston event and a full list of exhibiting artists and programming. And even more in festival news, the Movement Market Collective will be presenting their second annual Ground Up Dance Festival this coming week from July 4th to 9th, featuring professional and community dance performances, opening and closing night parties, and workshops throughout the city. The full festival schedule and tickets for reserved events are available at movementmarket.ca and you can stay tuned to the Kingston Curator this week for an interview with festival producer Camille Spencer Friday at 3pm. That's all I've got for you on Arts Desk today and now I'll turn it over to Jesse Bell at the Sports Desk. In what will surely be the first of many classic contests in the Ontario Women's Tackle Football League, the Peel Panthers prevailed over the Kingston Sharks by a score of 26-18. to 18. The Kingston Sharks scored first, putting the first touchdown of the game on the board, but that 6-0 lead quickly evaporated as Peel would score 18 unanswered. However, a furious fourth quarter comeback by the Sharks brought things to a single score game, but unfortunately, Kingston would run out of time with their final possession ending on the Peel 10-yard line. In what was a fantastic game that demonstrated grit, tenacity, resilience, and the skill of a still-growing and still-developing league, ultimately, nobody lost here today. They just ran out of time. Here live at Nicholas McCarney Field with three of the players from the Kingston Sharks. I'm going to start with... Elena. And what's your number? 65. 65. Waverly. 57. 57. Uh, Katie, 62. I think that the Kingston Sharks, it's very, it's very like sisterhood. It's like everyone's friends and everyone just like loves each other. And even when we lose, we're so proud of each other. And we honestly put our best effort forward every single game. We're, we're a really small team. And as a small team, and it being our first year, we've really risen up and worked hard and become one, worked together. If you've never played football before, you have to try it. It's the most amazing feeling when you're getting a touchdown. Because it's not just one person's touchdown, it's everybody's touchdown. Because everybody has to help out to get it. And it's just, like uh, Elena said, like we're all so close and so supportive of each other. It's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And you could definitely see that on the field. It, it was clear that you guys have a pretty special bond together. And it's awesome. You get to be the first Kingston Sharks team. There'll never be another first team. You could all be... Very, very proud of yourselves. Uh, thank you for your time, ladies. And uh, this is Jesse Bell signing off from Nicholas McCartney Field. This concludes our special report on the Kingston Sharks football team. I'm now going to throw it over to our main man, Chancellor, for your community update.
The following message has been provided by Health Canada regarding summer safety. When doing yard work, it is important to know how to safely use your power tools and equipment. You can avoid injury by properly maintaining and using these items. Ensure you read, understand, and follow the manufacturer's instructions before using a power tool. Equipment should only be used for its intended purpose. Inspect your equipment before use to make sure that it is in good working order and safety guards are in place. Remove rocks, sticks, toys, and tools from the lawn before using a power equipment. Before plugging in any power equipment, make sure the power switch is turned off. Never operate power tools with frayed cords. And keep children away from mowing area and never allow them to operate or ride a lawnmower. Always wear protective gear when using power tools, such as closed-toed shoes, work boots, safety glasses, and hearing protection. Loud noise from power garden equipment can gradually cause permanent hearing loss and the inability to hear warning sounds. Decorative, refillable outdoor torches are great to sit by on a warm summer night. However, they can pose flammability and toxicity hazards to you and your children. Here are some tips for safe use. Teach your children that these products are not toys. Store products according to their label instructions. Always read the label of any chemical product before using it. Finally, many Canadians love to barbecue all year round, but especially when the weather starts to get warm. Find out how to use your barbecue safely on the Health Canada website with their helpful list. The Public Service Alliance Canada Local 901 and Queen's University Faculty Association are partnering with Root Radical to fund bi-weekly vegetable boxes for PSAC 901 members experiencing food insecurity. Root Radical is a farm on Howe Island that operates through a community shared agricultural model. Root Radical is supporting this initiative through discounted vegetable boxes. PSAC and QUFA are funding a limited number of veggie boxes, but individual donations allow for a greater number of shares and more PSAC 901 members are supported. PSAC and QUFA have set up a fundraiser on GoFundMe to help reach their goal. You can find more information as well as donation methods by searching for the campaign titled PSAC 901 Emergency Food Fund. That's all for now. I'm Chancellor Miracle, and this has been your Community Update. Now over to Christina Laurie with your campus news. On June 20th, 2023, Queen's University staff and faculty members, along with supporters, gathered on campus to demand the university reopen negotiations for compensation increases. Unity Council represents various unionized groups at Queen's University, and they are the organizers of this rally. The Unity Council sent out a message leading up to the event entitled the Demanding Fair Compensation for Workers Rally, inviting those interested to participate on behalf of staff and faculty at Queen's. The event took place at Agnes Benedictson Field on Queen's University main campus beside Grant Hall. The announcement of this rally was accompanied by an open letter addressed to Vice Principal Donna Janiak and Interim Provost Terry Shearer. The current standing collective agreements between the university and some of the unions were negotiated before Bill 124, a bill which put a cap on wage increases, was ruled unconstitutional by the Ontario Superior Court. In their open letter, the Unity Council stated, We contribute immensely to the success and smooth functioning of Queen's University, and our efforts deserve to be acknowledged and fairly compensated. On Tuesday, June 20th, the university responded to the open letter from Unity Council via email. The response states, consistent with previous communications to our unions, there is enormous complexity associated with Bill 124 and our negotiated wages. 
By way of example, if the Declaration of Constitutional Invalidity is upheld on appeal, there will be a remedy phase where monetary damages may be ordered to the unions. The university also states in their letter, as we were working through these complexities, the university announced that its budget for fiscal year 2023-24 projects a $62.8 million deficit. As noted when the deficit was announced, the impact of the provincial government's 10% tuition cut for Ontario students in 2019 and subsequent tuition freeze has cost the university $179.4 million to date. The university's use of its reserves has helped to mitigate the worst impacts of the tuition cut. However, our ongoing reliance on the university's reserves is not sustainable. The university has introduced a temporary hiring freeze and is actively considering other mitigation measures to address the operating budget challenges. With this as context, the university has advised our unions that it needs to see the impact of the cost containment and revenue generating measures aimed at controlling the $62.8 million deficit before making a final decision on Bill 124 and wages. Once again, that was all contained in the letter sent by Queen's University to the Unity Council this week. I sat down with representatives in the Unity Council to discuss their original open letter, Bill 124, the response from the university, and their rally on Tuesday. Here is what President of the Queen's University Faculty Association, Jordan Morelli, President of United Steelworkers, Kelly Orser, and President of the Canadian Union of Public Employees, Jesse Bambrick, had to say. I was wondering if you'd like to just give a specific statement to your thoughts on the reply from Queen's. They mentioned the deficit. They mentioned waiting for a final verdict on Bill 124. I was wondering if you'd like to just speak specifically to that letter that you received on Tuesday. Well, I would say it's shameful. I mean, yeah, to continue to make the lowest paid employees wait for a, for a fair wage increase when, when inflation is running at 6%, 8%. You know, like I said, we've said that they're, they're using food banks, they're sleeping in vehicles, and the university is going to wait, what, three more months? And then there could be an appeal further to the Supreme Court of Canada. This could go on for a year yet. Um, and, and all the while, the university claims to care and value its, its people is making its, you know, most vulnerable employees pay for it. Yeah. There's no reason for them to, to do this. They have the money. Um, they're sitting on $600 million in carry forwards. Surely they can find $10 million to pay their workers fare. Actually, if we didn't have the support of the other unions, like we were at our wits end trying to figure this out to get this going. So like I said, they've united us. Um, we are we are the community of Queens as far as I'm concerned now. And we are, like I said, we want to thank CUFA, Steel, everybody that's teaming up. Like this, this is how we change stuff. Yeah, and speaking for steel workers, um, we're absolutely disappointed in the uh, the tone of that letter, uh, how hard the employer is digging in. Uh, they're just not even allowing for any wiggle room at all. Uh, and that's now got us frustrated. Um, so we're um, we're at the point where our membership uh, in um, along with uh, other unions on campus and UD Council, but we're ready to fight and to continue to push. Uh, so the rally is not the first. Um, what were you saying the other day, Jesse? Just the start, right? Because we're going to have to fight for this. Speaking of the rally, I was going to ask, how did the day turn out on Tuesday? Really good. We had, uh, we think, between three and 400 uh, uh, Unity Council members, a uh, huge crowd, lots of engagement, um, and they really paid attention, listened, like they are, they're frustrated enough that they're coming out to find out exactly what's going on. And the part, the part also that impressed me it was super hot day, and a lot of our uh, people's breaks and lunch times didn't have the uh, complete like twelve or eleven thirty till one. 
Um, and yet we still had that large turnout. So I think if everyone would have been able to come at the same time, we would have been closer to the five or six, which was double what we were expecting. So it, it was on, honestly tremendous to see everyone pull together. And these are some people like like Jordan was saying that aren't looking for financial, maybe a, maybe a vacation or whatever. Um, but they were still coming because they see what uh, the little guys are, what's happening to the little guys. And it was just, uh, it was really wonderful to see all the unions pull together. If I can just add to that, I mean, uh, turnout was fabulous, but this really is going to just be the start. Mm -hmm. Once again, that was representatives from the Unity Council on the rally on Queen's campus Tuesday. For the full interview and story, be sure to tune into Kingston Currents tomorrow at 5 p.m. Thanks so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight we'll have showers ending in the evening with partly cloudy skies and a risk of thunderstorm. Wind southeast at 30 kilometers an hour with a low of 18 on Tuesday. A mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorm in the afternoon and a high of 22. Tuesday night cloudy, 60% chance of showers and a low of 17. And on Wednesday we'll have cloudy skies with a 60% chance of showers, a high of 22 during the day and a low of 15 that evening. And now it's time for the City of Kingston traffic report. Motorists, cyclists and pedestrians can expect road closures on Beverly Street from Union to Queen. Dunkirk Avenue from Alfred to Fergus. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Palace Road from Park to Carruthers. Sydenham Street from Queen to Princess is closed until September 5th for downtown Kingston activations. University Avenue from Union to Earl is closed until December 22nd. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace. The School Streets Initiative is still in effect until June 29th on McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. in the morning and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. in the afternoons. And the Play Street Initiative on Thomas Street from County to Patrick is in effect until August 28th from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Construction is still underway at the Chow Memorial parking lot. Additional parking is available at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages. And the public EV charging stations at Center 70 are unavailable until late October. And the Robert Bruce Memorial parking garage on the second level will be closed on July 4th for approximately two weeks to conclude structural maintenance. Other road delays can be expected on Bath Road at Queen Mary, Highway 15 from Maine to Highway 2, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Jackson Mills Road from 1859 Jackson Mills to Burbrook, Sandhill Road from Boundary to 3058 to Sandhill, and Taylor Kidd Boulevard from Collins Bay to just 100 meters west of the Collins Creek Bridge. And the Rideau Trail from Queen Mary to Parkway still remains closed for crews to complete replacement of the sanitary mains. And now over to Mary with this week's CFRC events calendar.
Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. For your live music lineup this week, I'm featuring performances from Princess Towers, Keeper E, The Change, and Julia Finnegan. This Thursday, Princess Towers is live from 7 to 10 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. The Audacious Folk and Country Band are joined by folk group Funeral Lakes and singer-songwriter Piner for a fun night filled with folk tunes. Tickets are $15 or pay what you can, and you can purchase them online at hotelwolfisland.com. Don't forget to check out Wolf Island Fairy times at yferry.ca and that's wiferry.ca before heading out. Also on Thursday, Halifax-based Keeper E performs with Kingston's own Julia Finnegan starting at 6.30pm at Musicy, located at 73 Brock Street. Adele Elwood, also known as Keeper E, is an indie pop electronic artist here in the city for her Nothing Going On tour. Joining her is local singer-songwriter Julia Finnegan, and together they've got a great show lined up for you. Tickets are $10 at the door, and more information is available online at kingstonlive.ca or on the Musicy Instagram page at Musicy. Cafe, and that's M-U-S-I-I-K-K-I Cafe. Coming up on Friday, the change is live from 8 to 11 p.m. at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. This classic rock band has been in the business since the 1990s, so you can trust that they'll get you dancing with songs that are influenced by music from across the decades. Tickets are $10, and you can purchase one at the door or over the phone by calling 613-542-8152 with your credit card in hand. More information is available at kingstonlive.ca. Your last live music feature comes from Julia Finnegan, who performs solo from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Spearhead Brewing Company, located at 675 Development Drive. Since starting her musical career in 2015, Julia has created EPs and albums, worked with talents like Miss Emily, and won the YGK Emerging Musician Competition. Her show is one you don't want to miss, so make sure to stop by because cover is free. More information is available at kingstonlive.ca. That's all I've got for live music lineup this week, but I've still got two other events lined up for your calendars. This Friday through Sunday, the IAMS for Life Caravan pop-up arrives in Kingston from 9am to 5pm at Woodbine Park, located at the intersection between Princess Street and Collins Bay Road. IAMS for Life is hosted by IAMS workers, who've been popping up in cities across the province to advance IAMS' mission to make health services accessible to pets everywhere. IAMS offers you the chance to book a free 30-minute grooming appointment for your dogs, which you can do online at iams.ca, and that's I-A-M-S dot C-A. Happening on Sunday, Real Cultural Consulting in the city of Kingston present the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Festival from 10am to 3pm at Springer Market Square, located at 216 Ontario Street. The Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Festival features different local Indigenous artists, artisans, and musicians every week. This week, you can listen to featured music from Mandy Smart and Crystal Love. This festival is free to attend, and more information is available online at visitkingston.ca slash Cataraqui. And that's visitkingston.ca slash K-A-T-A-R-O-K-W-I dot C-A. This week, we invite you to join Cindy on this Thursday's Indie Wake Up Call. Starting at 8 a.m. and running until 10 a.m., Cindy will be premiering a new single from Kings of Queens, a local rock outfit, on the show one day before the official release date, and they are calling in to talk about it. As well, Kira Johnson will be joining them in the studio to discuss some new music and her upcoming concert at the mansion next week. Make sure you tune in to this Thursday's Indie Wake Up Call with Cindy.
Thank you for tuning into CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head over to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK has been brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, and Queen's University Career Services. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.